0: Welcome to the Media Maven's podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Axis Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original Media Maven herself, Sarah Miller.
1: Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host for Media Maven's podcast. And I'm here today with my co-host, Joe Pirate, and my favorite sportscaster. Hi, Joe.
0: Hello. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Very good out here today.
1: I'm laughing because you do have a Pats football baseball hat on. But we're talking all things football today for Tuesday. So we're bringing on, and I'm super excited to have Carl Francis on. He's the Director of Communications for NFL Players Association. Carl, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. I really, I really do. I really appreciate
1: it. It's football season. You're a perfect guest right now. Even Joe, Joe has a Patriots hat on. We'll let it go.
0: Patriots are football.
1: <laughs> that is true. We do like New England. So, Carl, thank you for joining us. I what's going on with you? Like I love that um you're on the show today, not just because it's football season and everybody wants to watch Sunday football, Thursday football. But with COVID and the whole year, the whole sports world has just been pushed back and been upside down. How are you guys doing? You know, you're midseason right now without fans. Well, but how is it going with the um, NFL Players Association?
2: Things are fine. I mean, hey, was, we knew what we were getting into at the beginning of this. And that's why we were so stringent on uh, setting up protocols that can protect the players and we knew we would have hiccups but i mean you have to see it through if you committed yourself to it we're all in this together uh you know all sports um all citizens everybody is like a community now nobody is separate so the fans uh folks that work in the stadiums the parking attendants like everybody is impacted in um this this space so we all have to work together to make sure we get to the end of this particular sport uh frame but uh it's going okay you know i was always half full anyway uh if the players decided they want to play we'll come in and and build out a, a infrastructure that can protect them to give them the best protection for them and their families and um and once we do that we just try to enforce the rules make sure guys are uh, aware, make sure personnel and the league is responsible for making sure that uh, team officials are aware. This is front office folks. These are coaches, trainers, equipment managers. I mean, this is not an isolated area. So we just making sure everybody is safe and making sure we can get to the finish line.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to ask a girl question here. NFL there's, I mean, obviously we all know the leagues, NFL players association, NFLPA. your primary goal is to take care of, represent the players, not so much the league. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely correct. We are the, the, the exclusive collecting bar, collective bargaining representative for all NFL players. We Our focus is three areas, wages, health and safety, and working conditions, right? And so these areas will fall under working conditions and health and safety. And those are three primary areas where we negotiate with the NFL to ensure that these three areas are protected on behalf of all NFL players.
1: Now, how's it going with the players? Like I me, mean, just mentally, I know everybody loves the fans. and I mean, I mean, I've been to a few football games, uh, NFL games, but there's no fans in the stands. Is this taking a toll on the players mentally or are they just so excited to be out there playing, even given this whole, you know, with training camps being cut short and stuff? I mean, how are they faring through all of this?
2: I would say it's 50-50. I think, you know, people don't understand the football players aren't like humans. They actually are impacted by things other than just playing football. And even though they know they, they have a job to do and they're back at work, you know, it, a lot of their energy is fed off of having fans and excitement, the cheer, energy, autograph, that energy. and it's And it's been tough. But now, so to your point, you can imagine How hard this season has been to play through that and continue to do your job because this is a job. They're they're employees of the NFL. So when they go out there and perform at a high level, they have to do their jobs to earn a living. But at the same time, they want a football to give to a parent or or a little kid or or somebody to, to tap them on the shoulders when they jump in the end zone. I mean, all this makes sports what it is, it makes it exciting. Uh, so it is very, very, it's been very challenging, but that's why I really commend our players for, you know, having the, the strength to kind of push through. And actually, you know, you're still dealing with off the field issues such as COVID, your family protected right. and all that. And, and guys are testing every single day now, which is a great thing, but it still takes a toll on you, everything that you have to take into consideration in order to play this game.
0: One thing that I see as a real positive this year for the NFL is the fact that you guys got a CBA, a collective bar- bargaining agreement, signed without any kind of player stoppage, without any kind of game stoppage, and the fact that players seem to be very happy with it.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think it was important to get something done, particularly now that we're in this COVID area, because, you know, the end is now we're, we're see, here's what's a challenge, is that, you know, we're actually competing entities now. So when you look at football, you got to look at football in its whole totality. Right? Where it comes to owners and and players, it's our institution now versus NBA, right? <laughs> versus hockey versus baseball, because the common fan only has so much money. <laughs> I, mean, I can't I can't see and think all four sports, right? right? So where do I invest my my money, or where do I commit myself to to focusing in and and, and the networks, the people who host the game, So everybody has been impacted by this from a financial standpoint that has been a a major challenge for for everyone, particularly for us.
1: You guys have sat there and you've had to reconfigure players' contracts because I know that TV, the broadcasts, the networks, the brands, that's where the money's made. I mean, we, you know, Scott and I, or Joe and I spoke with um, Scott O'Neill over at HP for the Sixers on the NBA side. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of ups and downs in trying to get this all together, but... Are you having to renegotiate? Was this like CBA thing that Joe talked about—a collective blanket to get players back in to make up for the loss, or is everything still staying status quo on that side?
2: No, absolutely not. Things are not because of the financial implication of the season. We did, we had to separate. I mean, we had to negotiate an addendum to the CBA uh, to kind of manage the financial losses that we're going to take this year, and so that's that's. Was a major part of it. I think the one, the first piece was the, was the COVID sort of collective bargaining part of it. And um, then it was the CBA, not CBA, but the financial collective bargaining of this piece, because we have to figure out who's going to take the collective financial hit for this season. Yeah. So while we came to an agreement that I, that I think was really, really good and beneficial for, for, for the players uh, moving forward, I, I think that was very key to us getting back to work, us coming up with that agreement pretty quick. So yes, we did have to make some adjustments to the CBA. I,
1: I think like just from my experience and just from talking to some of these sports guys, I feel like the NBA and NFL of all the sports, I know hockey was delayed, so we haven't even started this season to see how they're handling that. So I don't know how NHL is going to handle this, but I feel like NFL and NBA have done such a tremendous job to bring the players back out to the field, to the court, to make sure they're safe, make sure they stay safe before, during, and after. And the Dodgers did just, you know, obviously with MLB, the Dodgers just took home the series. And one of their key players tested positive for COVID and was so excited. He ran out there in the field. I forgot what Justin, I forgot which base he was. But it was a big deal because we're all excited. Lakers and Dodgers took the M seasons, but he had COVID. He tested positive. He was out with other players, the team, the staff. And there's only so much you could do to keep everybody safe because it's that individual. But I feel like MLB did not make any. I feel like they just kind of brushed over it. And I never felt like MLB really made any strategic, strong moves like NFL and NBA have.
2: I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm going to be very honest with you trying to put together a plan and a strategy to get our players back to work. The only thing we really focused on with other sports was kind of monitoring how they were coping with COVID.
1: Yeah, but NFL guys are out there on the field sweating, taking each other down. And baseball, you've got spaces of space. You're never yeah, really coming in contact. I feel like, I mean, I'm not comparing because I love um, football and basketball, but I feel like you guys are so diligent because the safety, you're out there defense you know offense defense tackling you got to take that seriously
2: well the good thing about it is our players take it seriously see that it's not just the pa you know that's the one i think i want to make sure this is not a separate entity yeah like if if it's not for our players there's no pa but our players take the lead on these issues and we've had a number of player calls throughout the year we just had one recently and an all-player call actually um, we had about four or five of them doing off season we just had one recently like a couple of weeks ago and to listen here, hear all the questions safety concerns ideas coming from our players it, it was amazing to to hear because the average person doesn't get a chance to like listen to our players as they think and how they process information as relates to real life situations so many of them had questions how are we going to shower how are we going to Rehab. How we're going to use the hot and cold tubs? I mean, we're just talking about the most simplest things on earth. Uh, how the locker room is going to be set up? How we're going to conduct meetings? I mean, so in, in addition to just playing on the field, there's all these questions that because all of these issues impact their families when they go home because they didn't have the the, the opportunity to have the so called bubble. So you know, they have to take all these things into considerations because. You know, a lot of their family members may have pre- pre-existing conditions that is on the CDC list for COVID. Uh, they have uh, uh, parents, older parents that live with them. They have little minors, kids. So, you know, the, the players really took control of this process and led the way, especially our president, J.C. Treder. He's a center for the Cleveland Browns. He's a, um, He's been tremendous. And he was just uh, elected to that seat in, in March. And he, when I tell you he hit the ground running, he really did. And it's done a tremendous job on behalf of our members.
0: Uh, Give me a little bit of an inside look because the NFL, the CBA is out of the way, but you guys had so many landmines to go through, and especially with uh, social injustice and how to address that. What was the talk like between the players on that? I mean, as a communications professional, you probably had to have some – Trepidation about how this was going to go.
2: Well, you know, once again, our players led that those discussions. I mean, it hit home for them, and I'm glad you brought that up because, like you said, COVID has kind of taken over our mind. There's so many other things that were going on as impacting their life. I mean, these guys—they're part of the presidential election process, right? <laughs> yeah. Many of them. I mean, I'm just saying that it was—it's it's like they are a part of the, the, the our citizens. So. They were engaged like everybody else uh, that was looking at the, the elections, re- the local elections, the local officials. Everybody got really involved, and the thing I loved about it was, in addition to the social justice initiatives, in addition to all the other things, COVID and things that were going on, they still had to play football. But I loved the way our young players got together and they really pushed the NFL right to do the right thing to 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 make sure that they really, really made a statement as it relates to how they felt as players, as part of this business. So uh, whether that mean the things they wrote on the field that you see in the back end zone um, yeah. and all the different things, commercials, the, the PSAs that players were involved in and players yeah. did a lot of things personally. And we were proud uh, to announce that we had several first-time voters. And that was- wow. a- huge, huge deal for us. A lot of people didn't even know that Patrick Mahomes wanted or suggested that uh, the Arrowhead Stadium be a polling station for the election. They said, unfortunately, we don't have enough polling machines in order to have it at the stadium. You know what Patrick Mahomes did? He purchased (laughs) polling machines. (laughs) I mean, these are things that are... What, he's a third-year guy? Maybe 23? I mean, so... That's the leadership that we've seen in our members that are engaged and wanted to be a part of this process. And now they're already talking about how do we continue the discussion? How do we continue to move the ball
1: forward? So NFL PA is all about protecting the players. But it sounds like the players are really the ones driving the the PA. And it just sounds like you have such, like, regardless of what position, or what team, it sounds like NFL has turned out some amazing like strength and leadership as an individual right. because these guys are taking a personal emotional interest in what they're about and what the association is doing for them and what they could do to give back more than ever.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they drive the message, they drive the initiative and they drive the association. With that,
0: uh, Carl, a big part of the NFLPA too is protecting those players who have left the game mm-hmm. from, you know, past injuries and possible future injuries coming from the hits. You guys have really taken an active role in that.
2: Yes, actually, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we have two organizations that work with former players that gives them sort of a connection back to the game. So I'm going to talk about, we have a former players division that provides all type of uh, resources, opportunities, uh, engagement, uh, ideas in terms of transition but our former players division. We have about maybe 10,000 members there. But we also have another former player organization called The Trust. The Trust is an organization where you've had to have played two years in the NFL. Well, what you do is you sign up for The Trust to actually get connected back into the game to figure out what's your next step, right? So you come into the PA, The Trust. They take you on a uh, what they call an onboarding talk to you for several hours we have intake counselors to talk to you about where is your space what what what's your next step what, what's your what are your likes what's your passion right? those things. We have uh, tuition re- reimbursement. Uh, players can get up to twenty thousand dollars back in player and student uh, tuition reimbursement uh, where players can go back and finish their masters. Uh they can finish their bachelors, they can get the doctorates. And we have a we have a, a partnership with Indiana University where they can get the MBAs. So, yes, and also there are a number of other uh programs and initiatives we have set aside uh for players to engage and network with other players for job opportunities. Uh we have an initiative called Athlete and, where we try to present the player with an and after their finished career, right? So it's like athlete and what are you? Are you a police officer? Are you a principal? What are you? And that we try to really focus on taking the player out of being a player, which what he does into a person, which who he is. And that's the key behind a lot of our player. You have players uh, that are coming in who have uh, made nothing
0: their entire life. And then suddenly they're tossed, you know, $2 million a year to play football. Is there a financial aspect with the NFLPA and how, you know, teaching these guys, financial sense and teaching them how to how to do things because I know their agents want to do that, but you know, once they're done playing football, their agents are no longer there.
2: That's 100 percent right, uh Joe. I, I really I'm glad you brought that up because we do have a financial, we call it financial education department, where you kind of learn the fundamentals of money. And we have a relationship with an organization called Financial Finesse, where they have tools to kind of teach you how to manage your money. So it's not just okay you go and um you get a big, large signing bonus. First thing you do is go buy everybody a house. Like yeah. these are the things we put into a perspective for the player to understand. And then we have a financial advisors program where we kind of work with the financial advisors to help them understand how to work and manage a football player, what challenges that he faced. So if you think about it, you know, you look at a professional athlete; he can get drafted in the seventh round. everybody believes he a multimillionaire, which you and I and all of us knowing this on this call is is not doesn't work that way. So we try to educate them on how to manage and how to work with an athlete outside of just the money he makes, but how to work with him mentally and how he works every day in terms of managing his money, particularly with his family and others.
1: So I I love that if football is not just about throwing a uniform, be on TV. Make money, drive a BMW, and have the lifestyle. You guys really are bringing together an entire health, wellness, financial community to keep these guys healthy financially on and off the field, giving them a life outside of sports that makes them a better person on the field as well as off the field. But so, and so my question, you know, I know the safety thing is a big deal, and I I love what you're doing and everything you guys stand for, Carl. But and Jill, help me out here. There's a special. CLA CLU. It was football players got this concussion. There was it was a movie yeah. that Will Smith was in about. I think it was called Concussion. Remember right. that? And it was. And I know at that time NFL and some of the sports teams took a bigger interest in okay getting them off the field because they want to play to get their bonus, but if they take a hit. They're not insured. And is it worth being messed up and having a concussion or something major versus that extra cash at the end? And I watched that movie a few times. It was such a good movie to educate on how critical sports injuries are. I, if I'm not mistaken, Carl, training camp was cut short to get the guys on the field to try to keep with the normal season, because I mean, we had no choice. Like you said, you didn't have the bubble like NBA. You guys cut um, training camp short, got them on the field, a lot of injuries. I know NFL has a big stand in this whole, that, I forgot what it was called for the concussions that you get on the hits. How is that impacting you guys getting back on the field so quickly? And are you guys a little overly protective of keeping an eye on these guys to make sure these injuries don't get more severe than they normally would have been?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, sir. I think it. we knew going in that uh, we had to monitor the situation a little differently just in terms of not necessarily concussions because that's a part of the overall game whether you shorten the season whether you long it's, it's, football is a 100% contact sport yeah and Inj- injuries are 100% okay by week 8 everybody's hurt even the kicker he had his finger hurt like everybody's hurt right but i think this particular season because they didn't have an off season they didn't have a mini camp they didn't have OTAs uh they were limited in offseason season workouts because you couldn't social distance everybody was put in a national quarantine uh and parks were closed and everything and then moving forward, we report to training camp. Uh, some of them had to wait wait several days before they were able to get back on the field. One thing I can say about our athletes, they're world-class athletes for a reason. You know, people may say one thing may lead to an injury versus another, but they're hitting on every single play. So you can work out 200 and 395 days, like whatever the case may be, 65 days a year, but injuries happen. But one of the things that we've done, I think, is really done a great job at, and every year we do this, actually, we really audit what we can do to better serve the player during the game, after the game, during the offseason in terms of protecting the player, whether it's changing the rules, whether it's having uh, several neurologists on the sideline during the games, right? Whether it's having people that are specialists at making sure certain injuries Don't. If they occur, that we can really deal with them on the spot versus when doing Joe and I, me and Joe's era back in the whatever's. (laughs) (laughs) You had to wait till you get to the hospital to figure it out. (laughs) But but today, it's a little different where we have a number of medical specialists on site in addition to us because we're part of that process. The NFLPA, right? We're active. We're very active. We have our own medical advisor. We have a health and safety specialist who go to attend all the NFL meetings to ask the doctor questions. And our players are very involved. We have a a player health and safety committee that several of our players sit on and they tell and they ask questions of the medical specialist. So we feel as though the science, conversations, ideas have have moved very, very far uh, uh, in this business to get us where we are today. And here's the deal. We have so far to go. And I'll I'll agree
0: with that. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you with the agreement with uh the, the owners and the NFLPA, do you guys have a very good uh working relationship with the owners like like a, a Davis or like uh Bob Craft? Do you guys
2: you guys work well together? Yeah, I mean I, I say it's very it's very, very is I like the way you use that. That's a it's a working relationship. <laughs> That's key, working relationship. And whether it's good depends on what day. But for most days, yes. (laughs) Good. (laughs) But but it's important to have some sort of relationship because I mean, you got to play the game. It's it's part of what we do. But also, you want to make sure that uh, our players are protected because you just mentioned coming to this business. They're giving a lot of money, but also there's so much that comes along with being a player, particularly from an injury standpoint. I mean, we just had a we just had a guy. I mean, if, if you look at you know Dak Prescott. Yeah. Right. I mean, he didn't sign his deal. Right. He couldn't come to an an agreement on his contract. Right. Right. What happens in week two? Breaks his own leg. So what happens then? So, you know, we, we have to come back. I mean, he has to come back, play and, and and hope that he can come to an agreement to, you know, pay him on his merits of what he's done and what he's done in the past and his performance moving forward. But, and it's why we look at a kid, Uh, The Stanley young man from Baltimore, he signed a $98 million deal. Good deal for him. Sign a bonus, you know, 48 hours after he signs that deal, he's out for the season. Another leg injury. So it's important for guys to take care of themselves financially as best they can. And that's what we're here to protect and make sure they get every opportunity to do so.
1: So if they get hurt and 48 hours later, they still get paid out for the season. Is that not true?
2: Oh no no no! They, yeah, because yeah. it's a signed contract, so they got that's it. If he Spot had signed that, you know? right? If he had waited to the end of the season, let's say, if the team said we're going to negotiate at the end of the season, he gets hurt. Now he's damaged. So we, you know, they don't know when. But he's how many? How
1: them. many guys actually wait till the season's over to sign a contract? Depends on
2: depends yeah, on your yeah. leverage.
1: Yeah. So how? So I know draft comes up in spring and seasons. You know, I mean, I follow, unfortunately, NBA more than I think NFL. And I know some of the teams didn't get a chance to play and they probably should have. And they're doing limited games and kind of cutting the teams out of even getting to the bubble. How is NFL handling? I mean, the season is you guys started August, September. So you kind of got through most of not most of COVID, but we're still limited. But you kind of got through what to do. How or is this going to affect draft coming up this next year and spring?
2: Well, first, let me say this: it, it shouldn't affect the draft at all because the draft is in April. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that things will shake up a little bit before the draft. But the biggest question: how would this impact um, Super Bowl? Well, well Super Bowl will be a part of the, the protocols of today of the game last night. Um, they'll fall under those protocols. So whatever you see now will we'll, we'll run through the Super Bowl. Now, after the Super Bowl, okay when February comes, when March comes, then when players report back for off-season workouts or off-season training activities for mini camps that they have in April and May, that's the question. And uh, so that's the, 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 the question that you have as it relates to, we don't know what the world will look like, that we're hoping fingers crossed that there will be a little bit of a reprieve from where we are now to give those guys some freedom to, to have some offseason training activities and, and uh mini camps so they can get acclimated to their new team, particularly if you're talking about the draft. Football geek question here. Mm-hmm. What about the franchise tag?
0: What do the players think of the franchise tag? Because I think that it almost takes advantage of the
2: players. It, it used to be a bad thing, but I tell you what, when you look at uh cousins, hmm from Minnesota, when he was with the Redskins. Right. He made twenty-five million per year, and they ended up turning around the third year making eighty million. The salaries are so huge now, and they're increased so so much that the franchise tag really is a is not a bad number <laughs> like it used to. Be. <laughs> you know, when you look at running backs, you look at wide receivers, quarterbacks. I mean, when we see uh, folks like Patrick Mahomes signing a five hundred million dollar deal. Now to be franchised as a quarterback is not all bad <laughs> right. as it was 15, 20 years ago because guys are making so much more money. and They are pushing that franchise tag number up every year. So uh, okay. is, it, is, is it a perfect thing? Absolutely not. Anybody wants a long-term uh, a, a agreement in order to ensure their um, their, their stability at the a team. But if you had to negotiate, having a franchise is not all the way bad if you look at the numbers. Okay. That was that was one of the things, but I've got to say
0: right now, the future of the NFL has is probably one of the brightest I've ever seen because you have right now you have the old guard like a Tom Brady, like a Drew Brees right. on their way out, but yeah. now you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Tua, all coming in, and, and Kyler Murray. I mean, this is uh, some oh, no.
2: amazing talent we are seeing. I agree, Josh Allen from Buffalo. I mean, yeah, yo, no, you're right. I'm so happy and proud of these guys. Baker Mayfield, just the group of quarterbacks and players, right? You know, Saquon Barkley, uh, so many other players that are transitioning and 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 stepping up and becoming leaders of the game. And uh, so I do. I'm I agree with you, Joe. The, the league and and our business is in great hands today. I really do believe that.
1: So I know this is a bad question to ask you, Carl. But who is Why, your...
2: how do you say every question? Well, I, I mean,
1: it's not bad. Every
2: question can't be bad.
1: It's not a bad question, <laughs> but it's going to be an uncomfortable question. I'm not sure. Given your role and given who you work for, who are your top three favorite teams?
2: You know what's funny about that? I honestly don't have teams because I've, I've been with the Players Association for 20 plus years, right? So for me, I'm i to more follow players because I, I work with so many guys and players that. Um, like, I may want to see if I had a conversation when he was a rookie. I may want to follow his career a little bit. Or if I had to talk to a player about an issue, I may say, well, let me see how he plays today. So I honestly don't have a team. It's not uncomfortable at all. I don't have a team. I used to work for the Redskins, but, you know, they're transitioning a little bit. But uh, and, and plus, when I worked for the Redskins, I mean, I knew the Daryl Greens, Charles Manns, uh, you know, all those guys in that space. So for me, Art Monk, Gary Clark. So once they left, I'm like, okay, like (laughs) I just I'm (laughs) I'm finished. So, and uh, but I do like players that we have today, and they are tremendous leaders of our game for sure.
1: Okay, so here's another really great question for you: Have you seen the movie The Show Ballers on Showtime? Yes. How true is that to real life NFL?
2: Not at all. I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Get your popcorn. Get a great pop It's and entertainment and, and entertainment. And wait for the next series to come out. Uh, I, I got a good friend in that show, Jay Glaze, and some other folks. But it's all for fun. It is. It yeah. really. Is.
1: I just had to ask. Okay, so we're running out of time here, but I know we're in the middle of the season. Can I ask you who do you think is going to be top contender for Super Bowl?
2: Okay, you can, but <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I don't even play like fantasy football. I don't I can't keep up with it. I'm horrible. Joe can do it, but I can't. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Okay, Joe, who do you think is gonna go? Right now,
0: if you ask me, I I think right now it's gonna be Pittsburgh and on the National Football League side. I'm gonna say Arizona is gonna surprise a lot of people. Wow. I I think it's gonna be Pittsburgh and Arizona. It's gonna be a repeat of the Super Bowl.
1: So I like that. Thanks. Oh, so I guess we may have to put bets on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, I'm so glad you came on today. I want to have you back again when we get the draft next year. But for people, other football fans, and we are in season, where can they brush up on more of their football? Is it the NFL Players Association website, or where should we send anybody?
2: Um, when you say brush up on the game, you know, just or be just a fan. Players, of- yeah. Yeah, just brush up on the game. Watch all the pregame shows. The talking heads are, are very good. They'll you get all information. They do a little bit more today than just talking about what their opinion of a player. They talk about injuries, mm-hmm. updates They do features. So I, I would say that for sure. Yeah. And
1: yep. then keep watching Sunday football. Yes, there you go. And Thursday.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah, so and
1: I know so I know you're on LinkedIn. I don't want to ask you to give everybody how to contact you because I know you don't want to be bombarded with NFL questions. But you the best place to get a hold of you would be LinkedIn, I assume.
2: Yes, that would be the best place.
1: Okay. okay. So you guys can find Carl Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S on LinkedIn, NFL Players Association. Carl, any last parting shots before we end our podcast on NFL? Nope. I, I
2: think, first of all, I thank you guys for having me. This has been great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, continue to continue to watch the game. Please uh, continue to try to enjoy the fo- football that's uh-huh. presented because everybody's in a challenging situation right now. Hmm. But one thing we can, one thing there's a guarantee we will have two teams to go to the Super Bowl and we will have the Super Bowl champion this year. Yes. So just enjoy the rest of the season and root for your team you know, just, just enjoy it and have fun. And um, we'll all get through this together and uh, come back and press the reset button hopefully for next year.
1: Thank you so much for being on our show. It's is Carl Francis with the NFL Players Association. This is Sarah Miller with Access Entertainment. Joe Pirates, thank you for co-hosting I our NFL it. episode. And we'll see everybody next Wednesday at five o'clock on Media Maven's podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com.